Good morning, everybody. Isn't it awesome to eat some snacks in church? We're just hoping to keep you awake. That's what we're doing here. Good to see you. I want to, before I get into the message and the movie of the day, I want to give you a brief update. Uh, we had spoke about this a number of months ago. We told you about some space concerns that we had for the church, and we asked everybody to pray for us, which is the biggest, most important thing. Just pray that God would guide us and God would provide us in our space concerns. What I had said at the time is that within a four-day window, we had learned that they're tearing uh, the building down where our office is. And that four days later, we heard that they're building, because this community is just growing, growing, growing with kids, which is just awesome. It's really awesome. But they need to put an elementary, I mean, yeah, an elementary school in the parking lot here at TJ. And we found out those two things within four days of each other, that uh, we were going to have a parking issue here and that we were losing our building over in Boston where our offices are. So here's the update. We have found a new space for our offices. It's going to be here in South Arlington. We're going to have a big party. Yes. It's fantastic because uh, we have somebody that is here whose spouse works for the government and they're a contractor. They live in the state of Washington and they came to us a number of months ago and they said, hey, you know, uh, I'm here just kind of helping my spouse. I have free time. Is there anything I can do? And we said, well, matter of fact, there is. So they're in the middle of helping us renovate our new office space that's happening now. We'll probably move in in September. We'll have a big party. It'll be a lot of fun. So that's absolutely awesome. And what is even more awesome is they're not going to tear the building down in Boston for probably a year and a half, we think. So our offices will move here to South Arlington, but we'll be able to work out of both places as far as groups and meetings and stuff. So there's the update on the office space. It turned out great. So thank you for praying because somebody heard your prayers. Uh, This space. So here's the update on TJ. We think it is incredible that everything is going on with kids in this community and Arlington County Public Schools and all the wonderful work that they're doing. They do need to build an elementary school. It is going to happen in this parking lot. And uh, one of our issues as far as just you know being here is the parking space can sometimes get tight. So this, this will affect us. The good news is this. Our relationship with Thomas Jefferson has never been better. We've never been more happy to be here. And our relationship is just really, I can't say enough about it. It has really been awesome. And we want, to, we want to stay here and they want us to stay here, which is even better. So we got those two things. And after the construction is over, we've seen the plans. It's gonna be brand new. It's gonna be beautiful. There's going to be a partially uh, covered parking deck out here with some new landscaping. So it's, it's, it's going to be fabulous once all of that is done. And we think they're actually going to have more parking spaces out there uh, after it's over. So everything about the situation is fantastic. During the construction... There could be a slight issue. So uh, we are, we're working on that. Uh, we don't exactly know how that's going to pan out. Some of those details are coming about. So in the next six months, we should know a lot more. But what we're asking you to do in the meantime is could you keep praying about the situation here during the construction specifically, which will start about this time next year. So if you could keep that in prayer, we're just asking, you know, God, what would you have us do during the construction uh, if there's going to be an issue? So please pray with us about that. There's the update on the space. Thank you very much. Your prayers work with the office. Let's see what you can do with TJ. All right. Today's movie is Woodlawn. This is a true story. So we've given you two true stories and two stories that are fictional, although there seems to be a little up in the air about is Star Wars fiction or not. I've got some... 
strange looks when I said it was fictional, so let's just leave that go. This is a true story. It's based on a true story. It's about a high school football team, and the name of the high school is Woodlawn. It is in Birmingham, Alabama. And during the 50s and the 60s in Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham was often called Bombingham because there was over 50 bombings that took place in that city. One of the worst was the 16th Street Baptist Church, which was a terrible, terrible event, right? So the governor is George Wallace. And in his inaugural address in January of 1963, he made this famous statement, segregation now, segregation Tomorrow, segregation forever. He did that in January of 1963, and in September of 63 is when that terrible bombing took place at the 16th Street Baptist Church. He literally took a stand, literally took a stand, we'll show you the picture here, at the, this is important, at the University of Alabama, he stood in a doorway, and he would not allow two African-American students to enter in and to register for classes at the University of Alabama. Now, he finally moved away when President Kennedy sent the Alabama National Guard down and they made a move. And here's the two students, Vivian Malone and James Hood, uh, were going to register for classes that day when he took his stand against them coming in. But there was somebody else, everybody, who was also ready to stand up to make a stand for justice. And his name was Coach Paul Bear Bryant. Has anybody ever heard of me before? Roll tight. There you go. All right, so he makes a stand and in what sports writers have called one of the most historic events in Southern football, Coach Bryant went, Coach Bryant at that time coached a fully white team and he asked USC, University of Southern California, if they would please come to Alabama who had a fully integrated team and their famous running back, who, who's a big football fan? Who was their famous running back at that time? Sam Bam Cunningham, okay? They asked them, would you please come down to Alabama and play us in a football game. And that happened in September of 1970. And then after the game, Bama lost the game. Yes. <laughs> we have somebody here from Alabama. Alabama lost the game. But then Coach Bryant did something that he has never done before. This is how Woodlawn begins, and this is what Coach Bryant does. Watch the screen, please. Good morning. Today's reading will be from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 21, verses 1 through 10. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Nabot, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Nabot, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or, if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Nabot replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Nabot the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay in his bed sulking and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Nabot the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up. Eat. Cheer up. I will give you the vineyard of Nabot the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and placed a seal on them. 
and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Nabat city with him. In those letters, she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Nabat as a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Thank you, John. It's one tough lady. You know, thinking about it, I, I've never known a Jezebel. I don't... Uh, Wonder if that's why not many people are named Jezebel. Yes, one. That's what is one. One tough lady. Uh, taking a stand against injustice takes courage. The clip you just saw. Did you see what the coach said in the locker room? Brave of you to play it was the line. Brave of you to play it. Now God's getting ready to call out Elijah, and in verse 18 of that same chapter that John just read, he says, "Stand up." It's time to take a stand. It's time to take a stand against this terrible injustice against Naboth and his entire family because it was a long ripple effect. I can't unpack all the ramifications and all the injustice and how terrible. I mean, you see how bad it is there, but it's even bigger. It gets bigger than what you see. This terrible stoning, killing of a man who we're told who was righteous, right? So it's terrible. And God says to Elijah, hey, it's time to take a stand. And that takes a lot of courage because now you're going and standing up against the king. It takes a lot of courage. And then who's the power behind the throne? If you've been here for a few weeks, you know that just a few weeks ago, we saw that Elijah was running from Jezebel. He's so afraid. So now all of a sudden, he's going right at him and he's speaking, right, on behalf of God. It's time to stand against the injustices here. Now, we're told in Isaiah 61 that God loves justice. He, just, he loves justice. And this is a good thing. It's actually a very, very good thing. Because without justice, we would feel hopeless and we would want to die. Think about it. Think about your own injustices that you suffer and how, oh my gosh, is anybody up there seeing what I'm going through? Is there a God of justice anywhere? So personally, it affects us, but also globally it affects us. You think about this situation with Naboth. God, how does this happen? What is going on here? How about the situation in Alabama? Who's going to move the governor of the state out of the way? Who's going to do something about that? Or recently, Orlando, we see injustices like that. Or how about the Stanford rape case? You see injustices like you rise, something rises up and you doesn't. You say, oh my gosh, isn't there a God of justice? I hope there's a God of justice somewhere. Because if there isn't a God of justice somewhere, on these things that affect us so deeply, we say, oh man, what's the use Justice is a good thing, and it's great that there is a God who loves justice. What's necessary here, though? Think about it. You think about it from life. You think about it from the Bible. What does it take? God loves justice. And you say, well, God, why aren't you stepping and doing something? About it? God is ready. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm able. But what is it going to take? It's going to take an Elijah. Now, what if Elijah said no? Elijah didn't say no. He said, yes, I'll muster the courage and I'll stand up against the king and the queen and I'll speak against it. And that takes tremendous courage, right? The nation was about ready to rip apart. And we see that the president steps up and says, get him out of the way. It's a huge media deal that was going on. Huge. Get him out of the way. Bear Bryant, you think that there were forces in play that says, don't you dare bring USC down here. And he steps up. He's, later in the movie, he says, what, why are you doing it? He says, it's time. It's time to step up 
and stand against the injustice. And that takes tremendous courage. Are you willing to step up? Because when we look around and we say, all the injustice going on, are we willing to step up and have the courage to do something about it? There's the kicker. And God needs us. God's always ready. He's ready. But are we ready? Are we ready to speak up and to stand up against the injustice? Bear Bryant does it. Somebody else, high school football coach, Woodlawn High School. Coach Tandy Geralds also steps up. He's at Woodlawn in Birmingham or Bombingham, Alabama. They're thinking about shutting the school down because the racial tension in that school was so high. Think about shutting it down. It was about ready to explode. There was fights. There was problems all the time. And yet he steps up to the plate. He says, you know what? This isn't right. We've got to do something about this. And he invites somebody who's just like a, a chaplain from, from Birmingham who came by and saw him and says, I see, what you're going, I see what you're going through at this high school. I can help. Can you let me speak to your team? And this is true. He actually does this. And he allows this chaplain. He says, I'll give you five minutes. Tells the guy, his name's, his name's Hank. You'll see him in just a minute. He says, Hank, you got five minutes. Well, Hank ends up speaking like any good preacher does. Speaks for an hour. He speaks for an hour to the team and he challenges the team. He says, look, look, this is what he says in his speech. And all this happened. There was an amazing movement that happened, everybody, in the late 60s and early 70s in this country. And with that movement, there was a lot of standing against injustice that was going on. A lot of changes took place. There was a great spiritual movement. And this guy, this chaplain guy, was deeply affected by it. He says, let me speak to the team. I want to tell them this. There's a better way. There's a better way. There's a forgiveness way. There's the Jesus way. And you'll, if you watch this whole movie, you'll, you'll see in this historic game that they end up playing at Woodlawn High School, man, they're all pointing up. There's one way, one way. And they say, it's Jesus' way. It's about prayer. It's about forgiveness. It's about doing things Jesus' way. It's about, it's about standing against injustice. And he allows them to speak. And you know what? How, how the team reacts, this high school football team, Right? With all the tension and all the fighting that was going on amongst this integrated high school football team, he says, who will stand up today and follow Jesus' way? And the entire team, minus three players, the entire team stands up. You know, we're going to do it this way. And you know what happens? The school is transformed. It's a historic, actual event. The school is transformed The city is transformed. The team obviously is incredibly transformed as he challenges them to follow Jesus. Now, I want to to show you another clip because after this starts to happen, the coach, Coach Tandy of the high school team, he's like, is this really happening? Pinch me. Is this really taking place? And he says this. You will see this line here, but I just want to say before he says it, I want you to watch this. He says to his assistant coach, is this real? How is it possible in Bombingham, Alabama, that the only place that blacks and whites can get along is on my football team? Watch the clip. Okay, so that was Hank with the bang at the end who was all excited there. So uh, Coach Dandy is, he can't believe this. How has this happened? What took place on that team, everybody, spread to the whole school and it spread to the entire city. They end up playing their rival, Right, so on their team was their running back for Woodlawn was Tony Nathan. Right, you might recognize the name. Played for the Dolphins for years. Touchdown Tony is what they called him. 
On the other side of the ball, on the quarterback, was a guy by the name of Jeff Rutledge, who played in two Super Bowls. Spread all the way through that city, spread to the rival high school. The rival high school, they ended up training together, and then they decided to have a regular, ready for this football fans, a regular season high school football game, a regular season high school football game. But people were so moved by what was happening spiritually on that team and how God was bringing them together and how injustice was being stood against, right? 42,000 people showed up. The most attended high school football game in the history of Alabama. 42,000 people showed up at Legion Field, and they turned another 20,000 people away. A National Geographic reporter happened to be coming through. He stopped at the game, and he said it was an undeniably spiritual event. God loves justice, but he needs us to have the courage to stand up against injustice and to join him and believe that, as the chaplain says, there is a better way. Do we have the courage to do that? This is what this movie is calling us out to do. Justice. Amos 5.24. Famous verse about justice. Let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Justice, righteousness. In the Hebrew, in which that's written, right, the word righteousness means to be in a right relationship with God and with other people. With God and with other people. So the only way that we can be in a right relationship with God is we can't ignore God's justice because God loves justice. And so if we ignore it and we don't do it and we don't stand against it, we're going to have a problem with our relationship with God. And obviously we're going to have a relationship problem with other people. Tim Keller says, Timothy Keller is a pastor in New York City. I want to highly recommend this book to you, Generous Justice. It really unpacks this. Generous Justice by Tim Keller. Here's a quote from the book. When the Spirit enables us to understand what Christ has done for us, the result is a life poured out in deeds of justice and compassion to the poor. Now, some of us might say, you know what? I know people, and they talk about Jesus, and they talk about all this stuff. He says, but, you know, they don't. They're not, doing, they're not doing this. You know why they don't do Oh, I know people that, that like use Jesus and they use the Bible to do all kinds of injustice. And you know what the problem is, everybody? He says it right here in this quote. They have no understanding. The Spirit has not given them understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Because anybody who really knows what the Scripture is saying and allow the Spirit to show them, they would take a stand for justice. They would stare down King Ahab and say, you're wrong, you can't do this. You would stand against the injustices that we have seen, like in Birmingham, Alabama. I've said this uh, last week in thinking about just life and the injustices of life, and it's easy, everybody, to look back at situations like Woodlawn, to watch a movie like this from the early 70s and say, you know, see people who are perpetrating injustices all over the place and say, oh, man, if I was there, right? If I was there, I clearly would have stood strong, loud, and proud against the injustice. Of course I would. Would we? Something that haunts me, something that haunts me is I'm afraid, what would I have done? And then I think about right now. What is it that 20 or 30 years from now that I'm going to look back and be embarrassed that I didn't take a stand against it? You know what I'm saying? I grew up right down the street from here. And when I was in sixth grade, uh, we moved from one school district to the other and ended up right down the street. And in sixth grade, there was a kid in our um, elementary school, and he was a little different, okay? 
And you know what? You know what sixth graders do to somebody who's a little bit different, right? They mercilessly mocked him. They sang songs about him that were bad. I mean, just said all kinds. It was terrible. I hated I mean, it was terrible to see. But I look back, right, sixth grader, I did nothing to add to the injustice he was suffering. But you know what? I did nothing to stop it. And I remember that. Happened just a few blocks from here, where he lived, where I lived, all of that. Can you think back to times in your own life where something happened and you didn't stand up against it? See, God is calling us to be courageous enough, to be in tune enough with what's going on in the world and what's going on right around us and to be willing to take a stand against it. One thing to stand back and say, oh, God, why aren't you doing something? God is saying, why aren't you joining me? Do we have the courage? It, it takes bravery. It takes courage to stand for justice. I want to show you one more video clip. So in this clip, Coach Bryant of the Alabama Crimson Tide, right? He shows up at Touchdown Tony Nathan's house with a suitcase. And he says to Nathan, I'm not leaving here. I'm committed to stay with my suitcase until you commit to the University of Alabama. Now, here's the problem. Of course, everybody wants to play University of Alabama, right? No? Okay. <laughs> what had happened uh, briefly before this is a brick went through the window of Tony Nathan's house with a note tied to it that said, quit football, quit football. It scared him. It scared his parents, and it really scared his younger brother. He said, they don't deserve this. And then Coach Brian has something to say about him. Let's roll the clip. Well, touchdown Tony goes on to play for the University of Alabama. Uh, they play for a national championship in which they defeat Penn State. <laughs> Sorry, Penn State fans. Uh, you heard what he said. There's people that did this are cowards, and you ain't. Takes tremendous courage to take a stand for justice. Elijah does it. Does it. Tony Nathan does it. Bear Bryant does it. And the question today is this. Is God calling you in your own life in some way? Is he calling you now to take any kind of stand against some kind of injustice that is around you? It could be really personal. It could be something that you see going on, right? It could be happening in your home. It could be happening in your community. It could be happening at your work, wherever. Is God calling you? Is he opening your eyes to some type of injustice that you need to take a stand against? Globally, globally, is there some injustice that you need to be engaged with, stand against? Are you open? Are you courageous enough to taking a stand against that? We are in the middle of one of the worst humanitarian crises of our time, everybody. The Syrian refugee crisis, 12 million people have been affected. Now, it's become very political, extremely political. Can we put all that aside for a second? There is a grave injustice that is going on and since it is so big, it is the biggest humanitarian crisis of our day, is there anything that we as a community 
could or should do to stand against that. Just for a frame of reference, for perspective here, right? In 2010, 3.5 million people were displaced by the earthquake in Haiti. The Rwandan genocide affected 4.3 million people, and the tsunami in the Indian Ocean affected 5 million people. This crisis in Syria has affected 12 million people. This is huge. World Vision has done a great amount of work in the region, helping in the refugee camps. A lot of injustice has gone on. I don't know if you have followed it, but they make a statement, World Vision does, because they've been on the ground working. They said, this could spell the end of Christianity and other minority religions across huge sections of the Middle East. The Christian church that has been in the Middle East has been seriously attacked. And I have had conversations with people who have been there and have come back. And the Syrian Christians are, what's happening? Is anybody going to stand with us in the midst of this crisis? We want to show you some pictures of uh, children in the refugee camps and talk about what World Vision is doing there. World Vision is an amazing organization. Half of the refugees around the world are children, everybody. United Nations just recently said across the globe there's 65 million refugees, 12 million out of Syria. Half are children. They are the most vulnerable in a crisis situation children are. Let's look at the next slide in the refugee camp. They are under constant threat of early marriage, child labor, and being recruited into armed groups. World Vision is a long-respected organization. It is considered one of the best in the world. For those of you who like to really check out your nonprofits, you can go to sites like Charity Navigator, and you'll see that they're at the top. Effective, efficient, they do their job, and they do it very, very well. They've been working in Syrian refugee camps since 2011 and have served 2 million people to date. We're going to encourage you today to consider praying, thinking about adopting a child for $29 a month in the refugee camps. They operate in Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Turkey, and Iraq. Those five countries, those camps, and World Vision is there. We have a slide for you we want to show you Just briefly, here's the things that they provide for $29 a month. Food, clean water and sanitation, education, health assistance, shelter, emergency supplies, and safe places for children to play and to learn. Now I want to take you all the way back to the beginning of this At The Movie series when we started with Star Wars. Does anybody remember Star Wars? We've already said that we think it might be a true story, could be a true story, but there's something that we said out of that that was really, you know, important, like the whispers of the dark side. What was it? The whispers, never enough, scarcity. We said that in the Bible, there's this clear story about scarcity and never having enough. It was the message to Adam and Eve in the garden. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. And then we draw the connection to the United States of America. The United States of America is the richest nation in the history of the world, ever. We're it, here. So therefore, you would say, we would all say we have more than enough. Since we're the richest by far that has ever existed. There's more than enough. And yet, in the United States of America, for some reason, and all the data backs us up, for some reason, 
we feel like there's not enough. And so God comes in and he says, you know what, I'm going to help you out with that. I'm going to help you out with those feelings of scarcity and never having enough. There's a way to break the curse, right? We talked about trusting God. Talk about trusting God with our finances. And we made a tithing challenge. Now, I can't, I'm not going to unpack that now. You see, we're almost done. It's almost 1030, and I'm going to end. You can go back and listen to Star Wars. It's a great movie at the very least, right? You can watch Star Wars. You can watch the thing. And I unpack the whole thing about where God says, test me. Every single place in Scripture, God says, don't test me. Don't, you, don't test me. But there's one place. He says, go ahead. Come on, bring it on. Test me. He says, I'll break the curse. I'll break the scarcity curse the United States of America is under and over top of our lives. I'll break the curse. He does this. Take the challenge. I encourage you to take a tithing challenge. And in the midst of that, I said, you know, one of the things we want to do as a church, as a community, we want to focus on ourselves as a church. Where can we make a difference? We're in the greatest, there's not a bigger deal, right? In the greatest humanitarian crisis of our day. So we want to be actively involved in this. So as a church community, we have written a check this week for $10,000 to World Vision in this effort, right? To help out, to make a difference. What we want you to pray about and consider is this. First of all, we want you to pray about the crisis. We want you to pray for people who are being mistreated terribly all across the Middle East. And then we want you to consider maybe when you walk out the doors, just as you get outside, there's a table there. You can sponsor a child living in a refugee camp for $29 a month, and they will do all the things that you see right there. Now, you might want to do it individually, okay? But in keeping with last week's message about the importance of relationships, maybe you want to do it as a family, right? Maybe as an extended family. Maybe you want to get grandparents involved and sisters and brothers and like all of us pray about this thing and sponsor a child community groups we do a lot of community groups here my community group together is sponsoring a child and we're going to pray for that child and each one of us is going to throw some money in the hat right we're going to do that is god moving on your heart to do anything about that last thing i want to say is this here's the last thing is god challenging you to stand against injustice somewhere in your life somewhere Something's going on, and you need to take a stand to support somebody else who's suffering something. Do you need to speak up somewhere? It's going to take a lot of courage. You're concerned, like, God, what's going on? God is ready. The question is, am I ready? God is ready. Am I ready? It takes a great amount of courage. Okay, I'm going to close with prayer, and I would ask you to keep this in your prayers all week long that God would defeat injustice all around our globe, in your home, in your neighborhood, in our city, all around. God loves, loves justice. If you're here for the first time, I'd love to meet you right over here at Grace in 5. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you love justice, that we don't have to live with hopelessness, but there is hope. God, help us to have the courage to stand up. All across this room, God, you are dealing with each one of us. Then some of us in a real strong way, there's something that's going on and we just need to have the courage and to trust you and to believe in you and take a stand against injustice. And when we do, Lord, you will step in and you will help us and you will defeat injustice. Lord, help us not to turn away. Help us not to go weak, but help us to be strong and to believe in you and to see injustice defeated in your name. Lord, bless each one of us and help us through. In Christ's name, everybody said...
Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.